Welcome to Cloud Tricks. Uh, Cloud Tricks is a podcast show where Duncan and I, who have been friends for over 30 years, like to talk about a concept or idea that we've recently come across that we find incredibly interesting. And so we want to explore it further by uh, having this two-way discussion in front of all you uh, to, to enjoy. So this week's episode, we're talking about a idea that was, uh, I believe, started and championed by Tony Robbins, who is probably one of the world's most renowned self-help gurus. And the idea is around the six core human needs. Now, before we get into this in great detail, uh, Duncan and I like to often start off with a bit of an icebreaker, but our favorite icebreaker is called, it's a little game I like to play called Guess That Word. So, Duncan, welcome aboard. There you go. So I have a word for you that I would like you to guess what the real pronunciation is. Go, go. Are you ready? All right. Anemone. 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 Say it again. Anemone. No, nah, I, I don't know. Nah, this is the first one gotcha. <laughs> what, what is it? Anemone. Anemone? Like as in the thing from the sea? Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> How often are you using that word? Is, like, is that is it all in real real life? No. Like, I don't know. Like, well, okay. So first Where of is all, myriad, which is your week from, word from last week? My raid. You can see that. So, but like, I don't... Well, yeah, first okay. of all, anemone. there's no excuse for not knowing anemone if you've seen Finding Nemo. Yeah, that's the only reason I know it. <laughs> so, so you're well, watching it with your children? Is well, that is this how this Well, yeah. Up? So, um, I, no, not watching. I actually have a children's book called Sharing a Shell. Long story short... A, no. An enemy attaches itself to a crab shell. And it's like, what's that? It's a blob, a bright purple blob. It's an anemone. Now, mm-hmm. I just have to quickly share with you, uh, my three-year-old uh, Izzy can't read, but she somehow knows every single word by heart. Like she has a complete rote memory of every book we read her. So when I read her this book, or when I read it to her, I said to her, it's an anemone. And she said, no, daddy, it's an anemone. I was like, oh, sweetheart, you say the funniest things. And she's like, no, mummy said it's an anemone. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I might have to check this up with her later. Anyway, so um, off the bat, another classic win for James. So, Duncan, would you like to get us started on the topic for today? Okay. Um, it's called Six Core Human Needs. Um, and they're sort of grouped together in pairs of two because sometimes I think Tony talks about them being as a trade-off. So first one is certainty versus variety. The next one is significance versus love and connection. And then there's growth versus contribution. Now, I'm not so sure they actually are trade-offs. I think sometimes they support each other. For instance, growth supports contribution, um, but sometimes they may be. So those are what they are. Um, James, you got a first question that we can talk about this around? Okay, so um, Tony Robbins basically talks about these as six human needs, but they're not, uh, I guess, to be confused with your goals or your dreams or your desires. They're um, they're fundamental grounding needs, and (laughs) um, they're based on something that Duncan and I are very well read on (laughs) called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. Um, And so where they differ... Uh, is that he tried to explore the why. So why do we have these particular needs? And what he talks about is when you go through each one, so let's just focus on certainty here, right? So why do we have the need for certainty in our life? 
and if you ask yourself, um, you know, why, like, I like things like routine. I like to control situations. So the question is, like, how do we, where do we see us applying certainty in our lives? Cool. So for me, I think that certainty and variety are kind of like yin and yang. If you had 0% certainty on variety, it wouldn't be good. But if you had 100% certainty, it wouldn't be good. And so I think you kind of want a certain amount of new in your life, which I'll just call variety. Mm. And as an example, at work, I want I can get heaps of new. Now, some people have a job where there isn't too much new. It might be quite repetitive. And so because there's so much new possible at work, basically as much as I can physically handle every single day, I set up a lot of certainty around that. So I get up at exactly the same time. I go to the gym. I have a routine of what I do. So I don't have to think about what exercise am I doing today. I then know all the meals that I want to eat. Like Monday lunch is the same every week. Tuesday lunch is the same every week, you know. <laughs> and so because I don't, and then I think about what I wear, you know, it's like zero decisions. That then enables me to have a lot of variety. So that certainty around getting up, exercise, eating, clothing enables me to then have a lot of variety. So I basically think too much variety is a bad thing. Not enough variety is a bad thing. And the certainty helps me with the variety. So Monday morning to Friday afternoon, the time I get up, when I go to work, what I what I eat is 100% the same. It does not change. And that enables a huge amount of variety. Basically, I want to get as much variety in work as I can, and it's supported by certainty. So I don't see them as opposing. Mm. I see them even inside work as the same thing. Mm. Um, so you touched on something interesting there, which is, um, so this idea that, uh, and we see, and we've seen this in, uh, I guess, Silicon Valley, probably the best example about certain uh, people, Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg come to mind, like to have a lot of certainty in certain areas of their life. And case in point, what they wear. <laughs> if you look at either of those two individuals, they wear the same thing every single day. And this is done with a very clear directive in mind and that is that they want to free up as much uh, capacity in their lives so that they can i guess dwell in and thrive in the uncertainty so they're augmenting their lives around how much certainty can i create how much routine how much control can i completely outsource so i do not have to worry about it because these people are look at working at high velocity. So variety is something that they might have an abundance or an excess of. So they try and make as much as routine as possible. Did that sound similar? Yeah. Um, I think another one that I heard is similar is Obama. Um, so Michael Lewis is one of my favorite authors. He wrote a bit of a sort of, um, I don't know, whatever it is, magazine article for Vanity Fair on him. And he said that, he had mechanized or made routine a lot of things. So, for instance, he only had black shoes. He only had two colored suits, gray and blue. He only wore white shirts and he only had certain ties. And all shoes went with all suits, went with all shirts, went with all ties. So, amount of time spent thinking about what he was wearing, zero. He had dinner every day with his family at 6.30 and he didn't think about what was being cooked or buy food. And so, he was making as much space as possible for decisions in other areas. He didn't have to decide what to wear. And so then he could decide on how to run America, <laughs> um, you know, which which I think might have been a higher thing. So I think similar idea. Now, obviously, I don't think I'm remotely close to those people, um, but I do think that you know the more space you could make for hopefully making decisions on important things, the better. Mm. So um, one of the uh, I guess models that 
um, was put through the six human needs is um, what we call the class of behaviors or the four classes of behavior. So very um, to go through them very quickly, class one is typically characterized by actions that are both good for you short and long term. Class two is good for you um, in the long term, but bad in the short term. Um, and if you go through all four, you can see why certain things can have a long-term negative effect and a long-term um, positive effect based on somebody's um, need for certainty. Um, so what I want to get to here is um, when I try and look at my personal need for certainty, how am I doing it in a way that's empowering and how am I doing it in a way that's disempowering? Uh, and I find the, the, the disempowering more interesting. And, I, um, and, you know, and I've spoken to my partner about this at times, and I think Duncan and I have touched this, on this as well. But if I had to th think about ways in which I strive for certainty in a disempowering way, it's probably um, with my sense of loyalty. And so what I mean by that is that I stick around with things that have gone past their point of um, value add or past their point of it being a good fit or a natural uh, balance, so to speak. Uh, and so this is something that just by being aware of can make me look more honestly at myself when I'm um, acting in a certain way in order to satisfy my need for certainty. Am I doing this in a way that empowers me or in a way that disempowers me? So I just wanted to ask a follow-up question. You said some things are like positive short-term, positive long-term. Then there's like positive short-term, negative long-term, negative short-term, positive long-term, and then negative short-term, negative long-term. Hopefully, you don't do too many of those ones. Yep. And so I just wanted to see if you can give an example of something that's negative short-term, positive long-term. Okay. Just one example. Okay, so negative short-term and positive long-term. Mm -hmm. Okay, so these are things that don't feel good, but they're good for you. So it could be like undergoing a lot of strain um, with the intention of having a long-term payoff. So it could be working on a really hard project that's really, really... Uh, crappy, but um, the reward is, um, you know, growing the business or it's growing, um, you know, uh, your career. It could be doing things that are strenuous on the body. So exercise is a really good example. Like this puts strain on your body for, like, unless you get to a point where you actually enjoy the pain. <laughs> um, but it's these kind of things that you, uh, like, just reasonably would put yourself, you have to will yourself into that position because you don't enjoy it while you're in it but you know in the long term that it has benefits for you. I thought I'd give two examples from my perspective. Just from a work lens, um, you might, for instance, study at the night time. So you might be getting, I don't know, going and doing extra study to get a master's or something mm. as well as working. And that might be meaning you're giving up all your spare time and, and it means that you're a bit more stressed than you otherwise would be. Short-term pain, long-term gain. Yep. Um, so that would be one sort of example I, I could think of there. What about something where short-term win, long-term, you know, loss? Okay, so short-term win and long-term loss. Though I think these are the easiest ones because these are the things that people do that feels good, but it's not good for you. So you can you can list them off: uh, overeating, too much drinking, too much drugs, too much television. Procrastination is one of these uh, particular behavioural types as well. Um, something that I dabble in a little bit too often, I would have to admit. <laughs> um, do any of these uh, like resonate with you, Duncan? Yeah, I think you can almost use the exact example from before: not doing study. So I think from you know, so you work on this, uh, so you don't study. I don't know, in all your spare time to get your masters, yep. 
And so you get the short-term win and you don't get the long-term gain. Yeah. Um, but I think the best things are actually win-win. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, I think a huge amount of that is mindset. Um, so, for instance, I love reading. And in some respects, you could call reading studying. You don't get a certificate at the end of it that says, I have a master's of whatever. Yeah. Um, but you can hopefully apply it at your job and then you do a better job. You know, So it's fun to learn and then you can apply it in the short term and then you actually get you know, a promotion or whatever else it is, yeah. more opportunity. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely agree with that. And it's how you approach the certain behavior that you can then classify. So for, you know, for both you and I, Duncan, we both love to read. So that's class one. It's good for us and we enjoy it. Um, and the other thing is that class four, where it's both short and long-term pain, seems so self-evident to avoid that you wouldn't ever put yourself in a position where you would be doing any of these particular things. But it's really interesting if you, um, you know, put a, um, uh, you, you explore it further. You know, these are elements of uh, emotional just stress or worrying or anger um, or just staying in a relationship that's not necessarily, you know, abusive, but it's just not a good relationship, whether it's a friendship, a family member or a partner or anything like that. Um, or in your job, <laughs> you know, you hate your job and it's not fulfilling you. You should not, um, you know, be perpetuating these behaviors. So I think it's really important that, um, you know, we can, if we can look honestly at ourselves and ask, what am I doing that I could, you know, classify as a class four behavior as well. Cool. So I thought one of the things we could look at is the six core needs and whether or not you can get them from like one area, like an entire area. So, for instance, I thought first we'd look at, like, I don't know, work and then friendships. Those are two areas I think most people will have in their lives. Mm -hmm. And so the four or the six areas are certainty, variety, significance, love and connection, growth and contribution. And so I thought I'd start, like, you know, there was different classes of jobs. When I was at university, um, the jobs were not so great, uh, but, they, you know, I was really just trying to get some pocket change. <laughs> I, I, wasn't, I wasn't able to save much money. I basically spent it all at the pub. Um, but if, if I look at it, the only real thing that I got from it was certainty yeah. uh, in that there was, ah, uh, you have a job for X hours a week and it pays X dollars an hour. I wasn't getting much variety. It was like I was doing like, I don't know, retail. So it was kind of like, would you like a different size or I'll put that through the register for you. <laughs> I didn't really make any friends. Um, there wasn't much significance to it. Um, I don't know. I didn't feel I was really helping, you know, people be much better by buying another T-shirt. Um, growth. I think actually this is something that was sort of useful because like interacting with sort of, I don't know, randoms, like I, I wasn't necessarily so great at that, but there wasn't too much interacting. It was more like, hi, can I help you today? And contribution. I'm, sp I'm sure that like, you know, someone doing shopping well, you know, can help them improve their lives. Uh, doing it badly can, you know, be materialistic or whatever. But like this is like at best sort of certainty high, yep. growth low, contribution low. Yep. So if there's high, medium, low, and so that's three out of the six, and two of them, it's really marginal. So that, that job wasn't really doing much. And maybe we can compare and contrast it. Uh, do you want me to talk now about my job now, James, or do you, what, do you want to have a talk about one of your jobs? Well, so I think what's important to note, though, is that in this particular element, like, it's good to look at jobs, and, and in this regard, what you had during university, but your job during university has to... I would argue, need to be put in consideration with what you're currently also doing, which is studying, right? You weren't 
doing your yeah, work. I, took, at, I should have looked at my job was study. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like you weren't yeah. doing retail because that was your first foray into trying to have a meaningful career. That was just something yeah. you literally, as you said, saw as a means to an end. <laughs> Get yeah. the money so I can go down yeah. to the pub and have some drinkies. With my yeah, a very, very mature person <laughs> I was. Yeah. But it still doesn't take away from the fact that there are definitely people who would probably have certainty only being satisfied by their work to a fair degree. Um, yeah. um, and I think that's worth, um, uh, I guess, acknowledging as well. But yeah, let's move on to Duncan's next career move. I think I might have jumped to, to where I am now. I do believe it's possible to have all six in a job. Now, I would say that the majority of jobs don't. And so I saw some study that says in a developed country, I don't know, like Australia or whatever, that 90% of people wouldn't do their job if they weren't getting paid. So if you gave them the same amount of money, so let's just say you earn $100 a year, and if someone gave you $100, would you go to your job? And they're like, no, nah, I'm out. I'll, I'll be sitting on a beach or something. <laughs> and, and I think that's one measure of saying that you don't really like your job. I do get all six you know, sometimes a lot, sometimes not so much at, at my job. And honestly, like, I think I want to work slightly less, but I don't want to stop working. Um, I, you know, I'm talking about working 10% less hours. I really like it. This is much better than holidays, like much better. Holidays is kind of to give myself some time to relax. Mm. And so I think I talked about this. Um, so Rolo, I also have another business called Altao, but I get certainty through, I don't know, knowing there's a job and other things, but also part of the certainty we looked at another way was like lowering... Like, I don't want variety in some new restaurant. I'm like, no, I know what I like. Just let's go there. And then the variety at work can be from building a new product to managing people to going and visiting school to hiring, just like anything and everything. Um, Love and connection and significance. Um, So for me, I think, you know, good quality relationships make everything better. And at work, and we can really get into this more deeply, you have totally different expectations than you have for most people's friendships and actually most people's romantic relationships. Mm. So as an example, most people's romantic relationships, it's meant to make you right. This person completes you. And if they don't, they're the wrong special snowflake. Go find the right snowflake. There's not the expectation. Like at work, no one expects you to know what to do. You, you rock up and then you get training. Then you have feedback. You have professional development plans and other things. So there's an expectation that you don't know what to do and they need to get training and feedback. Whereas in, say, a romantic relationship, there's no expectation of, you know, training and feedback, typically. <laughs> um, it's not romantic. Um, and so I think this means that part of connection is where you can help people. Mm. Um, and so if you help them, you, you care. Yeah. And then you get significance. And so I'll just quickly go through this. And then there's growth. You help them grow and they help you grow. And I think a good job, you're also helping make the world better. Mm. I think that's the meta goal of all businesses, but some businesses actually don't do that. And to other times, your role at that business, may, you may not feel, is connected to that. So I truly think that I get all six and I get them at a high level, mm. just not every day. And sometimes, honestly, I just want less. It's like too much, too much. I need, I need time off. Uh, I would first like to start off with a counterexample to Duncan's perhaps somewhat biased view of uh, romantic relationships with the uh, example given of snowflakes, <laughs> like, uh, whether this is that one or you need to find another snowflake. But um, so there is a very influential um, person that Duncan and I are both enjoying learning more about at the moment by the name of Jordan Peterson. And he, uh, in my opinion, explained very well the nature of a romantic relationship or more specifically a marriage and how this is actually tied back very strongly to my idea of not just love and connection, but growth. And so basically what he said was, 
is that the concept of marriage is you are now stuck together. Like you have willingly entered into a, a, a verbal or social or um, legal, in most cases, contract <clears throat> that states that you are now bound together for life. And what that's telling the other person is, I won't leave. And so by way of doing that is that you are now with, you are bounded by another person who is imperfect, inherently flawed. And that means that you are either going to have to spend the rest of your life putting up with this person or putting in the work to help them grow. And most of the time you will find that either, and these I'm just paraphrasing uh, Jordan Peterson here, you will find that a relationship will either break down because they can't stand each other or they will ascend because they help each other grow. And I find that to be incredibly poignant. One of my favorite words at the moment. Uh, I think you pronounced it correctly as well, hey. which is really good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I could miss but poignant. Um, but I, I find <laughs> it rather... I find it rather poignant in that sense that this is what um, I get from my relationship with my partner is that she helped me grow in ways that are actually not possible in my anywhere else in my life because this growth is probably the most painful, but it is also the most rich and valuable and um, like life changing for me. So I just wanted to like give that countervailing example first if Dr. you had anything that you wanted to comment on. Yeah, so totally. Like I think that some jobs can have all six areas. And I think that some relationships, be they romantic or platonic, can have all six areas. But I don't think all do. And I was using that Agree. Uh, you know, study which was 90% of people would quit their jobs if they were paid the same but didn't have to go to work as a proxy for saying, well, they probably don't like their job that much. And one way to explain that would be to use this framework from Tony Robbins, mm. and they might only be getting one or two or none or you know of these things. Yeah. Now, for better or worse, in Australia, it's nine years till separation if you once you get married, and twelve years to divorce, and that's been going down. And the percentage of people getting divorced and all other stuff, you know, it has been increasing. Um, and so, I would argue that not all people have this. So, I think that Jordan Peterson is incredibly intelligent, like one of the most intelligent people I'm aware of. And he seems to have significantly upgraded himself. Uh, and I would not be surprised if he had quite an open, you know, and, you know, for instance, growth and contribution in his relationship. Mm. But I think also that I've seen plenty of people uh, where I don't think this is the case. Yeah. And so what I was saying is that, you know, this is a line of a time that was paraphrased before. It's like, if this isn't working, it's not because I need to grow or because, for instance, we don't communicate well. It's because this person isn't the right person. Mm. And so... I do think it can be found. I just think that the expectations for people are typically not that you should be giving them feedback, that they need to learn how to communicate. If it's not working and they typically think, well, they're not the right person for me, mm. not, well, we're not making this work together. And so I do think that this could definitely be found in you know, yep. relationships. Yep. Okay. Um, so I, I, I definitely... Um take your point and um, I, I see the value in that. So when I look at these six uh, key human needs, where I, um, upon reflection, saw that it was really, really um, you know, insightful for me was understanding, as you kind of outlined in your work, how they apply to you in your life. Um, mm. But to put another lens on it is, where exactly do you see these needs playing out in a positive or negative way? Because... 
Mm. You are going to get, you are going to do what it takes to get these needs, but it's whether or not you'll do them in a good or a bad way. Uh, and so Tony, um, you know, gives the very, very blunt example of violence. Um, and he would posit that the reason why violence exists is that it meets so many of these needs in a very, very counterproductive and negatively impacting way, but they still do. It gives the person significance. It gives the person a sense of certainty, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so when I think of these um, these core needs, where do I see them playing out in a, in a way that gives, well, well, how do I see myself meeting these needs in a positive way? So for certainty, I definitely look at two uh, key areas. One is my health and exercise regime. Like, I love and I really do value going for a run every single week, at least twice a week if I can manage. Um, <laughs> because that gives me two things. One, I know it's good for my body. I know it's going to make me stronger, more resilient, and more able to focus in other areas of my life. And two, the run itself is the same track. It's the same um, routine. It's the same distance and time. I know exactly what I'm going to get out of that experience. And so it's a very uplifting and energizing way. But the second way I seek certainty, and I think Duncan will appreciate this one even more, is at work. I try and seek clarification and feedback from colleagues as much as I can. Because that to me is the most powerful way to find out if I am doing a good job or if I am adding value. And I think- I thought, um, sorry. Sorry, no go. I thought it's so. I would just say that feedback would be not in the certainty category. I put that in the growth category. Mm-hmm. And so I was intrigued. You said, "How did you certainty well? How did you certainty poorly?" And so as an example, like I think certainty done poorly might be, "Oh, I'm worried about doing this new thing or putting myself out there." Mm. And so then you stick with the status quo. And so yes. I was intrigued in this. So like, I, you know, what is certainty good for you, and what is certainty bad? I'm not sure that exercising is certainty. Like. I don't know, like for me, it was I need the routine, i.e. certainty, to enable the variety. So that was the sort of the characterization I had. And so certainty bad, as an example, for me, was I don't think that I properly understood three years ago that downtime for machines is a bug, but for downtime for humans is a feature. And so I had kind of come to believe that every minute should be productive and doing nothing wasn't productive. And so the only certainty I had was that I was doing something with my time. And this meant that I think I became more stressed than was optimal. Like, I think I was still functioning, you know, I didn't burn out at work or whatever. Um, And what I actually needed was this weirdness that Monday to Friday afternoon, there's certainty I'm working, right? Variety, though, comes. And then I have variety at work, which is I can try all these new things because I don't have to worry about all the other stuff. But then... Certainty changes. So on the weekend, I'm not doing the same thing. Like I do want some serendipity, not planned time. Try something new. I don't want to try a new food Monday morning to Friday afternoon. I will try something new on Saturday brunch or whatever. And so variety shifts. Then it's like, no, I'm not. Uh, pretty much Monday morning to Friday afternoon, I'll do something productive. Like all hours I'm awake. <laughs> Whereas weekend, I don't want to be productive all Saturday. Mm. I go, I'm specifically trying not to so I can relax. And so certainty done bad is applying the same approach or what I call operating system mm. that Monday to Friday to Saturday because mm. I need a totally different operating system. Mm. And a, so, yeah, I was thinking about how you do it well and how you don't. That was how I would articulate That's a really interesting way of looking at it. I'll admit I haven't looked at it in that particular lens. So if I go back to the way Tony Robbins defined it, 
Certainty is the, the need for certainty means that you are continually striving to feel safe and secure. So you value predictability and a sense of comfort. So for example, like exercise is very much predictable. You do X, you will get Y. Uh, and it's, it's almost applying that same formula in any other particular way. Like if I, um, you know, I find my job gives certainty because it pays a wage every month. I get a lot. Uh, I get the same outcome, no matter what I do. You know, unless I, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Unless I do. Yeah, I know, but like if eventually, if you don't do anything, <laughs> you don't really get paid. Yeah. No, it, no matter what I do, I get paid. Right <laughs> yeah. shine. Like, if I don't rock up to work, it doesn't matter. It's all good. Yeah. There could be long-standing impact if you don't. Um, you know. I guess, apply it in a constructive way. But you get the point that I'm making. Um, but I like the one when you said doing it badly, I thought was really good one, where you talked about how I don't want to put myself out there because I fear the unknown or I fear the uncertainty. So I'm just going to stay to what I know. Um, and mm. I definitely think that is certainty done badly. Or that is the need for certainty, having a negative impact on your life. Um, hmm. The other one I had was just the element of routine for routine's sake. Now, this, that, that, that might not be um, a fair um, representation because our brains are hardwired to seek out routine so that it can have um, as many activities running at a lower bandwidth in our brain so that we can then do higher bandwidth activities. But what I mean by that is that settling into a routine and just not, um, not coming back to it and uh, like honestly observing whether this is the best approach and sometimes things change and the routine needs to change as well so a really good example is when you're raising young children <laughs> change is prevalent all the time but your brain constantly seeks to find routine because that is how we get some semblance of sanity in our household but when the when your child's brain evolves, when they finally, you know, um, check into a higher level of awareness and interactivity and all of these kind of things, your routine goes out the window. But more often than not, the sense of frustration, the sense of, uh, uh, like, I guess, exhaustion quite often come from trying to run through the same routine without realizing that um, it no longer works because the environment itself has changed. Mm. Um, I think continuing on this, like things done well and done badly. Um, so I think growth, which for instance, you're doing to get a pay rise. So they, they, they say external goals are bad and internal ones are good. And this is a mass generalization. I'm sure there's some external goals, which are good and some, which, you know, are bad. Um, but for instance, if the only reason you were doing the growth is sort of, I don't know, for, for, for a pay rise, it might be that it's short-term pain, long-term gain, or even then it's long-term, it's not that long because, <laughs> you know, hedonic treadmill stuff. But if the growth is so that you can help others, then what you do is you enjoy the growth that you have to do now and you get the pay rise too. So it's short-term win, long-term win too. And so I was just trying to think of ways that you could sort of look at this. If you have the right thing, you know, I think the best things are selfish and selfless, i.e. they have an external motivator and an internal motivator. Um, and if you can get that, you sort of work well. So that was one way I was sort of thinking about growth being done well or growth not being done well. Mm. So for me, growth, 
um, how do I approach growth in a good way? Um, just off the, the like being fairly straightforward, it's just learning, and learning via reading, via work, uh, what I do at work, by podcasts, audio books, uh, what I learn um, in my relationship with my partner, what I learn by doing the podcast with you, Duncan. I see as all incredibly, um, you know, satisfying and long-term uh, beneficial uh, activity, but. I can also flip that on its head, and there are some parts of learning that are not necessarily positive. Um, so there are things like learning at times when I probably shouldn't be learning, such as very late at night when I should be sleeping instead, mm. Um, mm. or learning like the wrong thing. <laughs> so if I'm at work and I need to do research or I need to learn how to do something right, uh, it's very easy to go down a rabbit hole on one particular area and you want to go down to the minute detail in that area, but you really should be sticking at the high level to get a good conceptual overview before you can come back with a good synthesis of how you're going to approach it. So you can't, there are ways in which, for me, learning can have a negative impact if not done well. Yeah, I like. I, and the key way I was going to be thinking about this is that I do think you want to have all six of these um, core needs in your life somewhere, mm. but you don't need to have all of them all of the time. Yeah. And so as an example, um, if you were to spend a lot of your spare time with a significant other, and I've, you know James does spend a significant amount of time with his family, uh, you know, a children and, and partner, um, that might mean that sometimes you're going to want to have all six, but there are other times where you have a different type of interaction where you have only some of them. I sort of have it slightly different. Um, so as an example, James and I catch up typically once a week. And three years ago, I don't think we had all six. I think we had certainties that we'd catch up. And we had some love and connection, but I think it was relatively low. It was more like, a, well, I've known you for a long time and I'll be there for you, mate. And then you, you, you'll be there for me, mate. But we weren't having much variety. It's like, well, how's your week been? There wasn't much growth or contribution you know, to anyone beyond ourselves. And so we went sort of embarked on a sort of thing. Well, can we... At the time, I was like, upgrade our friendship. <laughs> um, and one of the activities we now do is record this podcast, as an example. And so the certainty will catch up, but there's a lot of variety. We're going to talk about a topic deeply. There's significance because I think that this hopefully is far more valuable, the discussion, than what's your week because my week's not exactly that interesting. But these articles can be quite interesting. Mm -hmm. Love and connection, I think we can connect because we give each other different ideas more. I'm growing because I'm thinking about this and also learning how to hopefully communicate better. And also we're contributing to others because at least even if it's just our family and friends and the listenership's growing <laughs> um, of this podcast. You know, I know that this is, you know, changed, for instance, uh, James and his family, you know, some of his family listen to this and some of my family listen to this and then they'll be like, oh, Duncan, blah, 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 blah. So long story short, I do think you can have all six, but then I have friends who I see, for instance, only having a beer at the pub and I don't particularly want to have necessarily really in-depth, dense conversation. And so it might just be, the variety is having just talking turkey, you know, not much. And so what I was trying to say is that I think one way to do things wrong is to try to have all six in all places of your life. Mm -hmm. But another way to do things wrong is to never have all six anywhere. And I think that my life, if I look back 10 years ago, there was missing some of these in any area. Yeah. Like I didn't have growth and contribution that much really at all. Yeah. Um, 
But now I think I have too much of it and then I swung over and I need to make sure I have some parts of my life where I don't have all of them. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree with that sentiment. And um, what I find really, um, like, so first of all, just to, um, to clarify, I agree that we need to make sure that we are addressing these six needs somewhere in our lives. And it doesn't necessarily mean that we must have all six of them in each aspect of our life, your family, your colleagues, your friends, your relationships, your work, etc. Um, and like this made me think of it. Um, but, so Duncan and I have spoken about this concept uh, prior to recording this uh, episode and how just between the two of us, we approach them in two different um, conceptual ways. So Duncan would like think about in his life, like how do my needs get met in my work? How do my needs get met in my relationships and down the line? Whereas I looked at it the other way around. I looked at the six needs, certainty, uncertainty, uh, significance, connection, growth, and contribution. And how do I get each of those needs met in of their own? Um, but by having two completely two different perspectives allows us to have a viewpoint that we otherwise would have not had on our own. So I, I find that hugely valuable. But one of the other exercises that Tony also asks um, his audience when talking about this is if you can think of uh, anything that does meet at least three of your those needs, then you will be addicted to that need. Now, I think addiction might have some negative connotation here because we don't see <coughs> addiction as something that is a life-sustaining uh, energy. But the point he's making here is that this is something that if you have a need uh, three or more of your needs being met by this one thing, then it's going to have a very strong hold over your life. And it can be done in a very positive way or in a very negative way. And when I thought about that, I was like, hmm, what actually meets at least three of my needs? So the first thing that came to me was my family. It meets all of them. Um, work gives me three of those needs. And the third thing I thought of was this podcast with Duncan. It gives me... Mm. Hey, why am I three? <laughs> down the line. Down the the line. first thing I thought of was the podcast. Like, yes, good, correct, <laughs> correct. Sorry, children and honey. <laughs> but um, but it, it was definitely, uh, um, it was a clear third um, place. It was... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It, yeah. it was the variety in like finding a new idea every single time we sit down and do this. Uh, and it's more yeah. often than not something that we would never have otherwise come in our lives it gives growth because we don't just learn about it we talk about it and then what uh, unfortunately people here don't get to experience is that we then reflect on it afterwards which is sometimes the most enjoyable part of the process and then Duncan and I get to connect over it as well this is a very bonding experience for us so um, Duncan I know you get all of yours from work but I, I just want to ask you do you see anywhere else in your life will you get at least three of your needs being met yeah, so, so I hope I was saying that I, I just think that you can have work that meets all of them. And I think you can have a friendship. So I think I get all of these with you, James. Um, I think you can have, you know, romantic relationships that meet all of these things. But what I was want to say is that I think you want all six, but you don't need all six in everything. So, for instance, I have some friends where I get three of the six. So, for instance, so they say certainty, variety, love and connection, but I don't do significance, growth and contribution. And that doesn't mean that I shouldn't be friends with them. That means that I think that's really good. And so, for instance, if there's two parts, there's, I don't know, output and relaxing. I think relaxing, if you have all six, it, I'm not, it doesn't make it easy for me to relax. Mm. Does that make sense? Because yep. I'm so into it. And so I thought I'd talk about this addiction side of things. 
although doing this way, so there's this stuff that you kind of need to say no to, right? Then there's, so that's what we'll call it like, I really like it, maybe addiction, right? So I like work so much that it's hard for me to not want to do it. And so I used to really dislike uni. And so I had to force myself to do something. So it might have met one of the needs, <laughs> right? Which was kind of like hopefully getting me a job. I don't even know where that sits in there, but that was the only reason I was doing it. <laughs> and so the more you have of these things, the more you inherently, I think, might be addicted to that activity if you want to use that. Yeah. But you want to have things which are healthy. So for instance, I don't know, doing work well is healthy. No work bad, too much work bad. Good amount, good amount of work, good. In those hours of work, if you only have one thing, certainty, getting a paycheck, and the rest of it you don't, then you're going to dislike work and you're going to go there. It's going to be really bad. So I think that you want to basically have some things where, I don't know, I look forward to the podcast with James. Does that mean I'm addicted to them? Yeah, quite possibly, you know, but that's a healthy thing. Mm. Um, you know, I like chocolate, right? But it probably only gives me one of those things. And so I don't need to have chocolate all day, every day. And so I think looking at addiction a different way, you do want certain activities, I think, that have all of these things. And I'm going to say that you want some, I think, with yourself, some with other relationships, and some with work. That's ideal. But then you also need activities which only do some of the six. And I think that that is, to me, the definition of things. So, for instance, if I have certainty... And a little bit of variety and some love and connection. That's actually a perfect mixture for relaxing. Mm. Yeah. Whereas if I have all six, it's not a good mixture for relaxing. <laughs> I don't want to spend 100% of my time relaxing. So I want to spend, you know, do something, but I want to spend some of it relaxing. Yep. And so I kind of want to have relaxing friends <laughs> where I don't have podcast level talk, do you know what I mean? But I also don't want to have any friends where I don't have deep conversations. Yeah, yeah no, completely agree. So... What Tony uh, posits, essentially, is that in talking about these six needs, there are two main questions you need to ask. So Tony believes that you should identify what your top needs are. Um, so this is where Duncan and I also kind of um, uh, diverge in the idea that whether or not you should just look at these in a holistic view or whether you should look at these equally and or whether you should look at if you put them in a list from top to bottom, what the ones that sit at the top are and how you address those two needs. But um, in addition to that, so what are your top needs? But what do you believe in order to meet those needs? So what are you talking about here? That two people can have the same top needs. So for the sake of argument, Duncan and I could both believe in growth being the number one need um, for us to have need to have met. Um, but we could believe very differently in how we meet that need. So to give you an example, for like I, I put growth in one of my top two needs. But what do I believe as part of growth in order for me to meet that need? I believe that self-directed learning is one of the best skills you can have. I believe that surrounding yourself with those who want you to succeed or to excel, to grow, those people who can prop you up uh, when needed is, is also necessary. Um, I believe that quality of education is absolutely paramount. And Duncan can talk anyone's ears off about how um, learning how to think versus simply rote learning is a very, very different approach. Um, but lastly, I believe in having constant curiosity and I believe in having an imagination as well. Okay. 
Um, I'm not exactly sure how to respond to that. Um, I, I would say that growth isn't just one thing. And so one way I look at it is like, I don't know, maybe I should be trying to get better at communication. Mm. And I think that you can, there's some things you can kind of cap out at, like there is like a, a ceiling and other ones there isn't. I think communication isn't one. I think problem solving is something I'd always like to get better at. How to use Excel I don't think I need to get any better at, you know, Microsoft Excel. I can do all the things I want, but how I use it. Does that make sense? And so for me, I didn't think what are the top two. I do think that you want to have all six in your life Mm. to some degree, but you don't have to have all six all of the time is kind of what I've been saying. Um, And so one way I was sort of thinking about this is, uh, you know, so let's say at your job, and I think that you know, some days I don't get all six, some days I get like one or, or zero, you know, but but a, a more like 80% of the time I'll get all six in a day. And that means that I find work amazing and fulfilling, but also that by the end of the day, I could be pretty spent. And then after that, I don't want to come home and do all six. I'm kind of like lights on, nobody hometown, right? <laughs> but 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 if somebody if somebody had a job which I didn't really like, they just got certainty as an example they didn't get any love and connection or growth, they're going to be wanting those things. So they have, like, every day you might want a bit of this. So I don't want it. Like, Saturday, I specifically don't want any growth, any significance. <laughs> so, no, like, turn it off, right? But but also, it's, at the end of the day, like, I don't know, it's 8 p.m., whatever, I, you know, someone might come home and, and, they, and they don't like their job and then they're, they're looking for connection and growth. So then they, like, want to have a deep conversation. Mm-hmm. And the conversation I want to have is blah, 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 Netflix. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and so what that sort of means is that you, you might be, I don't know, full or you, you've just depleted for that day. Whatever want to look at it. And I think it's really interesting. So you have this juxtaposition. You might actually be two really good people together, but someone's had a deficit of love and connection, a deficit of growth that day, and someone's had a surplus. And so when they get home, that person's looking for love and connection, looking for growth. Mm. But because your jobs give you two different things, you then come home and you clash because you're looking for different things yeah. at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think as we um, head towards the tail end of this really interesting um, topic, what we haven't really done is broken out the last two needs, which is growth and contribution. So um, very similar to Maslow, uh, certainty, uncertainty, connection and significance could be otherwise seen as more of our baser needs or more instinctive. But both Maslow and Tony identify growth and contribution as our more spiritual needs. And so what um, he points out is that many people that he's met um, in his travels or people just in life in general can quite often um, be seen as successful or can master their first four needs. But if they don't then take the next leap into growth and contribution, they will stall and they will slowly wither and get depressed. And so everyone asked, like, they would ask the question, like, what do I need to be rich and successful? And he says, I'll tell you. And you can see everybody on the edge of their seats. And the answer is simply this, according to Tony. Be, <coughs> be a team player. What he means by What's that, that mean? so, so what he means by that is that we, uh, I, like, you know, it, on, a, on our path towards um, meeting our needs, we will come to a point where all of our basic needs will be met. We'll have wealth, we'll have family, we'll have identity. But once they're met, there's no longer any more drive for ourselves because we've entered what would otherwise be considered our comfort zone. So 
you don't really need it anymore because you know you've got it. That there's no more drive. So the secret, he said, is making sure that you are constantly growing and constantly contributing. And the best way to do that is by becoming a team player. Doing more for other people than they care about for themselves. Hmm. Uh, there's, there's a nice Winston Churchill quote, I think it is. The best way to find yourself is in the ser- is by losing yourself in the service to others. Mm. So the best way to find yourself is by losing yourself in the service to others. Now, they say also from this happiness studies that giving a gift to somebody else gives you twice as much happiness as giving a gift to yourself. Well, if you're starving in like war-torn Congo, that may not be the case. You know, if you're in a developed you know, country where you you don't, you know, you're more likely to die from too much food and not enough food, then it's, you know, doing these things. So I think we're, we're talking about certain areas. But if I think back to, to James and my relationship three years ago, um, I don't, I think we had certainty and I think we had low level love and connection. Um, whereas now I think we have certainty, you know, we catch up variety, we talk about different things. Because we, so love and connection has gone up significantly because we are helping each other grow through talking about topics and then, through actually contributing to give to other people and listening back. So then James will critique what I've said and how I've said it afterwards. Mm. This is one of the most fun things. And that's leveled up our connection because now I actually feel that he is helping me more and then I help him more. And so it's not zero sum. You scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. It's kind of like, well, you give me feedback and I'll give you feedback and we both get better. And so for me, they sort of intertwine. Um, Ah, I think you're saying, is, is being a team player growth and contribution? I, I sort of was just looking at this. Being a team player can mean that your love and connection is better than it was if you're not. Mm. Being a team player can mean that your growth is better than it's not. Because mm. it's not just me trying to grow myself, it's me trying to grow James. And then when every time I think about, oh, that's a feedback for James. Hang on, is that some feedback for me too? Like, oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? Uh, and so <laughs> for me, um, yeah, um, I think, you know, they say one of the top three things that brings happiness is good quality relationships yeah. and that's not just uh yeah we've known each other for a long time we hang out you know it's, it's quality not necessarily quantity yeah. but if you have no quantity you can't have anything uh so i don't know what his definition of team player is but yeah life is better with good people in it than without good people in it. <laughs> what we earn or what we get is how we make a living what we give is how we make a life Pound for pound, mm. Winston Churchill quote for you there, Dan. <laughs> yeah, Churchill, yeah. what a friggin' hero. Oh. I mean, he obviously did some things that you know, I think everyone's probably done some things that people wouldn't disagree with, um. wouldn't agree with. But Churchill, net, net, <laughs> but world's better because you were around, mate. Um, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I know what you're calling out there. The inappropriate quotation of Winston Churchill um, had some backlash with some individual recently in Twitter sphere. Um, no, I mean, but he also, I think, you know, did some womanizing. Um, he, you know, some, did have, people say that, you know, he had a lot to do with Gallipoli, which if you're an Australian, it's where a lot of Australians yeah. went in World War One and didn't necessarily survive. Uh, and so that was part of, you know, basic poor things, uh, you know, poor, um, you know, strategic and, you know, basically cannon fodder, yeah. um, you know, it's, it, which is like, you can go and die here, <laughs> um, you know, you low level Australian. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah. So um, one of Tony Robbins' favorite quotes of all time is progress equals happiness. So this is his basic formula for growth, is that whatever it is that you're applying in life is that if you can at least see some form of progress, regardless of where you are or where you started, that is the key to happiness. And I think um, by using these techniques, he then um, applies this further notion of can you give this progress or can you commit this to something greater than yourself or to someone other than yourself 
that is the key to having spiritual growth and meeting those particular needs as well. I thought I'd ask James, like, of these six, which is the one that you think you want the more of and mm. why? Which one do I want more of? I know which one I want. Yeah. Um, it's, which one is it? It's actually really easy, and it's contribution. Um, Ooh, interesting. What does that mean? So what I, where I basically see my life right now, don't get me wrong, I don't think I, that I don't contribute. I do. But I don't think I have particularly augmented my life at this particular moment for contribution to be a major part of it. All of the other needs um, would factor far more greatly in my life at the moment. Certainty and variety, connection and significance, um, and growth, I would say, would all sum out to be about 90%. So what does contribution mean to you? So contribution means um, giving back and actually living my life in service of others because I am so full with my own, so to speak. So I know that um, a really simple example is that I'm giving all of my life at the moment to my family as much as I can. Um, But I also know that I need to pull back in ways that um, I'm looking after myself, that I am filling my cup first, but at the same time, they're going to get my undivided attention because we have children who, you know, would need our presence. They need us to help them um, go through the very formative years of their lives. But they're going to keep growing and they're going to keep getting more independent. And they're going to not need us so much as they continue to grow and progress. As that happens over time, I will also need to pull back in my service to them. And when I do that, I will start looking to how can I serve to something greater. So that, I guess, hopefully answers your question, Duncan. Cool. Um, look, for me, um, if I look back like at University Duncan, uh, like, I don't know, whatever it is, 13 years, 14 years ago, <laughs> um, I, th- I don't think I had all six. And if I did, it was in a very marginal amount. Um, and so I think that now I do. I have all six um, and actually you know in excess so i think the ones that i need to work on the most are actually the low level ones which is variety certainty and variety they say then that's stacked on top of that is significance and love connection and growth and so the key thing is that i don't feel i have enough time doing nothing enough downtime um and so i basically want to work a bit less in terms of hours and i want to kind of have half as much on my plate in each of those hours um, right now, it's like running from one thing to another. Um, and it means that the things that are less enjoyable, like I find a great way to have something that could be enjoyable, not be enjoyable, is to try and fit 200% of the stuff you know in one hour that you can. And so I actually want more variety. But it's not variety at work. It's basically not work, <laughs> uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So um, as always... Duncan, we've been, we're nearly hitting the one hour mark. So I think um, let's try and see if we can do it justice by wrapping it up into summary time. You want to start or you want me to start? I can start. So as Tony Robbins uh, outlines, there are six core human needs that we need to meet in some form or another. Those six core human needs are certainty and uncertainty, significance, connection and love, And then there are two more spiritual needs, which is growth and contribution. By meeting these needs, it's trying to understand at a starting point which ones 
hold more prevalent or more value to us? And then what are the beliefs that we have in order to meet them? Um, and I think these beliefs can help guide whether they are actually being met in a positive or in a negative way. One of the ways to help identify that as well is by looking at the four uh, behavioral traits to see whether these are things that have positive short-term and positive or negative long-term effects on you. By going through all of these, uh, I guess, different areas and exploring the main areas of your life, whether it's your family, your friends, your work, um, you will have a much better understanding of how you are meeting these six core needs. There. Cool. Um, so I think this model is interesting one. Um, it's just, of course, one model, so it'll have problems like every other one. So this is like, if you get all six of these, you will have a great life. Um, but I think it's, it's worth discussing because it shows you some things. Um, for me, I do think you would want to have all six um, in the areas of life. So I'm going to break life into three key areas, or me see, mutually exclusive, collectively exhaustive. Work, relationships with others, and relationship with yourself. So I think in all three of those areas, you want to have all six. Now, you don't necessarily want to have all six all of the time, however. And so for me, we haven't really talked about this. You are, I think, in a relationship with yourself. Um, and sometimes you're not in the world's best relationship with yourself. Um, but what I've realized is that I need to have different relationships with myself. And so there's like relaxed Saturday Duncan. And then there is, I don't know, Duncan wants to spend some time learning and writing on Monday night. And so I don't think, I think it's easy to have a friend who is like, let's call it a relaxing friend. And they're their tool to relax you. But it's not as easy for me to have relaxing relationship with myself and to roll that out. It's easier for me to do, or I'm trying to do all six of these things with myself. And so for me, um, yeah, I think that this is interesting. You want to have it in all areas of your life, but you want to have it all of the time. And so specifically, I want to have some time with myself where I'm only doing variety, certainty, and love and connection. I'm not doing significant growth contribution. And I want to have some friends where I have all six, like James, and some friends where I only have three, certainty, variety, love, and connection. And I think the key area that I want to try to improve is being with myself and not doing all six because it's, 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 I've found ways to do all six and it's harder for me to just do three. Whereas before I didn't know how to do all six, like 10 years ago, I had no effing idea. Well That's said. That's my summary. <laughs> well said. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, that's it. Wrapping things um, up. Wrapping things up. I hope you enjoyed. If you have any feedback, contact us at info at cloudstreaks.com. Mm. Otherwise, we'll be back to talk about something in the future. I think the next one is how stress makes everything worse. Yeah. Um, and there's a really interesting article about how stress affects learning outcomes at school. Mm. Um, and so that's really not good. Um, you know, so yeah, we can talk about that then. All right. Thanks, Duncan. Catch ya. Bye.